Blog Talk Radio. It's Saturday, October 24th, 2015, and you are tuned in to yet another October Pet Spooktacular edition of The Misty Show, where you're creepy thoughts for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and not joining me once again is my lovely co-host, Dee, and I'm really sad about that. Unfortunately, Dee had to have some dental work done yesterday, so she isn't able to join us this time, so I don't have my wing girl, and it's going to feel weird without her, but I decided I'd try to just go ahead and do this one on my own. You know, I haven't done one on my own since I did the first episode, and it was really awkward, and that's one of the ones that isn't available to the public. That was the one that Dee wasn't able to call in and join me on because we had a lot of technical difficulties. So this is the first one where I'm going solo since that one in, I think, March of last year. So hopefully this will go well. Um and just in case you're listening, D, we miss you terribly, and we hope you feel better soon. I'll be checking on you later. Okay, today's topic is entitled Tales of the Strange and Bizarre, Dingoes. But before we get into it, let me clarify and say what I mean by anything goes. Um, in this episode, we're not just going to be dealing with stories involving animals. Strange and bizarre animal stories are welcome, but non-animal stories are also allowed. So that's what we mean by anything goes. It doesn't just have to do with animals. Um, Anything goes does not mean stories containing explicit subject matter. This is still a family show, so let's just keep it clean. Um, Before we dive into the show, I want to make sure that I give out the answer to yesterday's pet trivia question, which was actually more of a statement. Um, the task was to name three of the slowest animals, not counting turtles, tortoises, or snails. Possible answers were the sloth, manatee, koala bear, horse, loris, that's a type of animal, the gila monster, which some people I think pronounce the gila monster, and the American woodcock. The American woodcock is a type of bird. So those are all some of the slowest animals without it involving turtles or snails. So if you guys got any of those right, you're at the top of your pet trivia game, so you should feel good. Um, For any more pet trivia questions, always check out our Friday blog entries. So, you know, be sure to check us out this coming Friday. The answer to that pet trivia question will be revealed on next week's special Friday night edition of the Misty Show. That topic will be Animals in Horror, All-Time Scariest Animal Movies. We'll air at the later time of 10 p.m. Central, October 30th, and hopefully Dee will be feeling much better and she'll be back on to join us for that one. For those of you wanting to call in and share your own strange and bizarre tales on this episode, you can call us at 347-838-8313 or listen later in the archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's authority. Links from information used in today's episode can be found on our Facebook page at facebook.com c.show44 
or you can check out our Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash Missy Show. Um, this show will probably be a mixture of me sharing some that I found, and then if there's time, I will also share a personal story. So, of course, the ones that I'm reading from other people, I'll share the links to those, and, of course, the personal ones, there won't be a link. All right, so we're going to dive in. feels really weird without D, but I'm, I'm going for it. I thought this one was interesting. Um, it's entitled The Loveland Lizard, and this is supposedly based off of something that really happened. Um, they had two credible eyewitnesses, um, and I'll just read it. I got this story off of paranormal.about.com, so this will be one of the ones that I will post the link for. Okay, The Loveland Lizard. This remarkable creature has earned its place in the annals of the unknown primarily because of the credibility of the involved witnesses, two police officers on two separate occasions. The scene is in the early hours of March 3rd, 1972. A police officer is cruising on Riverside Avenue, which runs for a few blocks along the Little Miami River in Loveland, Ohio. On the side of the road, he sees what he at first thinks is a dog lying there. He slows the vehicle on the icy road to avoid hitting the animal should it get up and run in front of him. He nears the animal and stops his patrol car, at which point the creature quickly stands on two legs to a crouching position. Illuminating the creature with his headlights, the officer can now clearly see that it is not a dog at all, but something he cannot explain. The creature is three to four feet tall, 50 to 75 pounds, leathery skin, possibly wet, matted hair on its body that made it look textured, possibly a short tail, a head and face like a frog or lizard. Whatever this creature was, it looked at the officer briefly, then leaped over the road's guardrail onto, sorry, let's see, leaped over the road's guardrail toward the river. The officer reported the odd sighting to the police dispatcher, then later returned to the scene of the incident with another officer side as it made its way down to the river. The creature may have been completely forgotten had not a second police officer seen it again two weeks later. The second officer also at first thought the thing lying in the middle of the road was a dog or roadkill. When he got out of his car to haul it to the side of the road, It got up, climbed over the guardrail this time, all the while keeping its eyes on the officer, and disappeared toward the river. His description of the creature pointed out the same frog-like characteristics. A subsequent investigation uncovered only one other possible sighting around the same time. A farmer claimed to have seen the same kind of large lizard-like creature. It thereafter became known as the Loveland Lizard or Loveland Frog. What was it? Good question. If it was a frog or similar amphibian, it's the largest one ever recorded and the only one known to get up and walk away on its hind legs. Well, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty strange and bizarre. You know, but I've heard a lot of different tales um, of officers kind of running across weird things when they're patrolling, especially when they're out patrolling at nighttime. 
And I don't know, it just seems like a lot of weird stuff happened in the 70s. It's like a lot of times when I'm looking at some of the paranormal shows and they're, like, reenacting some of the stuff, it always seems like a bunch of weird crap happened in the 70s. I mean, there was stuff that happened in the 80s and even things that happen now, but it just seems like the 70s were really just full of a lot of creepy stuff. But needless to say, I would not have wanted to run across this creature, and I'm very glad that I'm not a police officer, um, much respect those who serve and protect, but I think that would kind of freak me out when I had night runs to have to do, especially by myself. So that was one that I found interesting. So um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but um, that was that was strange and bizarre. I have another one that isn't mine um, that I'm going to share with you, and this one I got off of a website called SheKnows.com, and um, this one is um, a lady recounting a story about her mother and grandmother, um, and this is told in the first person from the lady's point of view who's telling the story. Okay, she says, I grew up in a very small town in northwest Louisiana where there have always been tales of ghosts, spirits, ghouls, and paint. Well, that's what we kind of call them here in the South. You know, I guess other people would say haunt. Um, common sense dictates some of them were just made up, not one shred of truth to them. The one my mother tells from personal experience is all truth, though. There were witnesses. My mom's mother died when Mama was 18. They had been very close. Back then, there was the belief that almost any ailment could be cured if a person could soak in Arkansas hot springs. My grandmother suffered from diabetes and heart problems. She didn't get adequate care because, like most people back then, she had no health insurance. By the time she was 35, she had given birth to 16 children. One died at birth. Her physical ailments began breaking her down when she was 38, so she and my mother boarded a train to Hot Springs, Arkansas. My grandmother died en route. My mother, an 18-year-old mother herself, headed back home with her mom's body. It's really sad. The funeral soon followed. My mom's youngest sister was three. Her youngest brother was five. Mama took unofficial custody of the two of them along with two other siblings. Her mommy duties, however, were overshadowed by her teenage desire to go out one night, and that will turn out to be the last night she went out. She decided to go on a triple date with her two best friends and told them that she would walk to Miss Tina's house to meet them. She had to take a back road. She had left her son and her younger siblings alone at home. She set out in the dark, and there were no streetlights back then. She was more than a quarter of the way to Miss Tina's when she heard something in the woods keeping pace with her. When she stopped, it stopped. She became scared. It was a man trying to assault her. She began to run. It ran with her. She stopped. It stopped. She looked over when she reached a clearing. What she saw had a lion's body but a man's head. She then did what anyone else would do. She ran harder than she ever had. She made it to Miss Tina's in record time, equally exhausted and bewildered by the time she got there. Her friends had been waiting in the car, and by the time she reached for the car door, their level of fear was higher than hers. 
Miss Tina and Miss Josephine began yelling, Oh, Lord, there's Miss Addie. They all saw my grandmother, and they all heard her tell my mother to go home. Just like that, she was gone. Mama never went to another nightclub. I don't blame her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think that one freaked me even more than the first one about the, like, lizard frog creature. And I say that because my mom used to tell me this story about my granddad, and he had a similar story like that where he'd been out at night or something. I don't know if he'd been to um, a nightclub or whatever, but I can't remember all the details, so I won't retell that one, but it was something where he kind of had to um, cut through a graveyard or something to get home, and I know something was sort of chasing after him. So that one reminded me of that. So my thing is with that story, did her mom send this creature, this lion-like creature with a man's head, did she sort of send that to scare her daughter into, you know, not going out anymore and, like, leaving you know, her children there by herself. Because I guess I I guess it makes sense that um, you know, there there's this young eighteen year old mom, she wants to go out, but now she's also raising her younger siblings in addition to her own son. So her mom who's deceased, I guess, you know, she's like, Not only are you leaving my grandchild home alone, but you're leaving my two young children that I died and left in your care, you know, you're leaving them home alone. So I guess this one just kinda had a moral to the story, you know, so it's just, I don't know, that one freaked me out a little bit more. Um, now, I don't know for a fact whether this is true, you know, um, but like I said, my granddad had a similar story, but he was full of a lot of, he was always scaring my mom and him all the time. Um, but since we have quite a bit of time left, I can go into my own personal strange and bizarre tale. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with lucid dreaming. But basically, lucid dreaming is when you are having a dream, and in the middle of the dream, you wake up in the dream. It's like you become aware of the fact that you're dreaming. And usually when I'm about to have one of these, there are signs because I'll be lying in the bed, and it's like a part of me will sort of become awake. It's like I'll start to have one of those sleep paralysis episodes. And for those of you who don't know what sleep paralysis is, it's like that's where your body is paralyzed, like you've been been asleep, but it's like your brain wakes up. A part of you wakes up, but your body is still asleep and you can't move. So you're just kind of like laying there paralyzed and you're awake and you're aware, but you can't move and it's it's not a pleasant experience to have. And usually when I have these lucid dreams, it sort of starts off with me having a sleep paralysis experience. Sometimes I can wake myself up out of it before it even goes to the lucid dreaming state. Sometimes I can't. Um, Some people, when they have sleep paralysis, they report being able to see things in the room with them or they hear strange noises and things like that. Luckily, I have never seen anything in the room with me. I've never had anything sit on my chest because my mom and grandmother, they would report like having the witches ride them. That's something I think, once again, is more of a southern thing. Um, that they would talk about where you're lying in bed and you can't move and you feel this pressure on your chest, and that's what the, the older people would call it, a witch ride. I've never experienced that. I felt pressure like something was pushing my head down during one of those episodes, but um, that's another story. But um, 
And anyway, I kind of started having the lucid dreams and having these episodes more after I moved out on my own. I didn't really have them when I was still living at home with my mom and my sister and my stepdad. But once I got married and moved out on my own, I started having them. And it would always occur when my husband wasn't at home. And I also noticed with the first one that I had, it was when I was in a state of anxious anticipation. And what I mean by that is I was, I worked the middle shift back then. I was in college, and I worked a job where I worked from 2.30 to 11. And I would um, get home about 11.15 or so at night. So I would kind of sit up a little later. It would take me a while to go to sleep. And my husband was working the typical day shift job. So many times when he was leaving to go to work in the morning, you know, I was, you know, sleeping in, still in the bed. And, you know, I, I'd tell him bye or whatever, but, you know, then I'd go back to sleep. And so... One of these times, we were, um, at the time, we just got married or whatever. It may, we may have been living on our own a couple of months. And we were expecting the maintenance people to come by. You know, um, I think they had to come and check the fire extinguishers or something like that. They were coming to do a check. And I just remember that I was really tired and I was kind of wanting to sleep in, but a part of me was anticipating that these maintenance guys were going to come. And the maintenance people have keys to the apartment. So there was this part of me that was afraid that I would go all the way back to sleep and I would be asleep kind of deeply because I tend to sleep really deep in the daytime compared to at night for whatever reason, which also contributes to these lucid dreams. But I was afraid that they might come into the apartment without me knowing. And anyone who knows me knows that I really don't like to be surprised and I kind of scare easy. Um, so it's not that I thought that the maintenance guys were going to do anything to me, but I didn't want to be surprised. I didn't want to just be laying in the bed, you know, just chilling, and then all of a sudden I hear movement in the apartment and hear people shuffling around in my apartment. So I wanted to be awake so that I could, you know, let them in myself and not be surprised. So I was laying in the bed, and then, you know, I think because I was partially trying to stay awake and stay alert, to listen out for them, I went into one of these kind of sleep paralysis states that then turn into the lucid dreaming. Become aware that you're dreaming, but it feels very real, and it's like I was still in my bedroom, and everything looks the same, but there will be one slight difference that will alert you to the fact that you're not really awake. And so I just remember getting up, and I was like walking around in the bedroom, but it's like my eyes were half, half closed, and I kept jiggling like the um, the lock on the door, the, the doorknob, and it's like I couldn't open it. It's like I was like Bruce Willis's character in The Sixth Sense where, you know, it's like they show this scene where he's just like jiggling the doorknob, but he can't ever like get into the room that he's trying to go into. And it's like I was just walking around in the room and everything. And that was one of my earliest ones. And then I just started having more, but it would always be when I was home alone or – yeah, always when I was home alone, because if my husband's in bed with me, I really don't have him. Or e even if he's just in the house with me, I don't have him. But I've had many in between that first one and the last one, but it was my last one that was the most strange. And at that point, um, we moved out of that apartment, and we were living in a rental house. And I just remember, you know, once again, he left early for work. I think I was out of work at that time. I was in between jobs. And I think I had been expecting a package or something or, or somebody had delivered this book that I've been waiting on, but they delivered it, I guess, later in the evening, UPS that come the night before. And so I got up and I went and got my book and I came back in and I think I started reading some of it. 
And, you know, I got back in the bed, and I guess I dozed back off, and I went to sleep. And while I was laying in the bed, I felt myself trying to go into that sleep paralysis state. And so I was like, no, I don't want to do this. You know, it's not that I've ever had a negative experience, but I know that other people have had them, and I just, I don't like feeling out of control. And because I don't know what might happen, whenever I feel myself trying to go into that, it's like my legs will start to feel like they're really heavy and going numb. And it's like I'm like, okay, I need to wake up. I really need to snap out of this. And sometimes I'm able to do it and sometimes I'm not. And this particular time, I thought that I had snapped out of it. I was pretty certain that I had woken myself up. But it turns out I really hadn't. But at this time, I didn't know that. And so I sat up in the bed, and I got the remote, and I cut the TV on. And I was relieved because I'm, like, thinking to myself, okay, good. I I cut that off. I, I got out of that. You know, I was able to wake myself up this time. And I knew that I was safe anytime I had the TV on because for whatever reason, when the TV is playing and I can just hear the people talking, I don't have to be looking at it as long as I can hear the TV going. It's like for whatever reason, I don't have those episodes as easily when the TV is going. So I'm sitting there, I'm relieved, I'm sitting in the bed, and the TV's on, and I'm like, okay, good, I avoided that. But then I start looking around my bedroom, and everything looks the same, you know, and I'm I'm just as wide awake. It, it, everything looks just the same as though I'm sitting here, you know, looking in my room now as I'm on the show with you guys. But I noticed that something in the room was slightly different, and that's what you'll find when you have those lucid dreams that, that makes it a dead giveaway that you're not really awake. And, and some people um, call them false awakenings because they're all in the same family. False awakenings is when you swore that you're waking up, but you really haven't woken up. So I'm looking around, and it's like the curtains, let's just say the curtains were a different color than what they are in real life. It was just something off about the room. And then I had this thinking feeling, and I was like, oh, crap, I'm not really awake. I'm still asleep. Because that's the dead giveaway when there's just something in the environment that's different. Another thing that you will find in lucid dreams, and I didn't believe this, I'd only read it, but if you try to go and cut on a light switch, the light switch won't work. Like, you can just be walking around in your house and you'll try to go in another room and cut on the light and the light switch won't work. Or, like, if you'll try to look at yourself in your mirror, it's like you can't clearly see yourself. There'll be something that's off that you're not able to do that you would be able to do in real life. And I just remember just feeling this thinking feeling, and I'm like, great, I'm not really awake, and I really want to be awake. I don't want to be having this experience. Because just in case something bad happens, I don't want to see anything scary because some people claim they, they see shadow people or they see different things when they're having these experiences or they see some type of creature in the room with them. And so I'm just like, just in case, I want to wake up. I don't like this. I want to wake up. And there was nothing creepy about the dream. It was just, just my normal bedroom. And every time I have them, it's just a normal house. Sometimes it will be a situation where I am able to come out of the house or something like that. But, you know, I was just in my bedroom, and I look through my bedroom door because it was open um, at this house. I had the door open. And I look into the hallway, and I see this man in the hallway. And he peeps in the room at me. He He's peering in the room. There's nothing creepy about him. He's just a regular man. But he peeps in the room, and it scares the crap out of me. And I'm just like, and so he, it's like his, he stopped looking in the room like he, he darted back out or whatever. And so I said to myself, you know he's coming in here, right? 
And I already knew it. I knew he was going to step in the room because, for me, that was going to be the scariest outcome. Let me not say that would have been the scariest outcome, but just because I knew that was going to scare the crap out of me, I said, you know he's going to step in here, right? You may as well be ready. He's going to step in the room. And sure enough, he stepped in the room with me. And once again, he I didn't sense any menacing um, vibes from him. The best that I could say is that he was neutral. He wasn't malevolent, nor was he benevolent. He was just in the middle. I didn't sense that he meant me any harm. I didn't sense that, you know, he was an angel or anything coming to do me any good. He was just a neutral person. It was almost just like he viewed me with curiosity, and he was just looking at me. And I was toward the foot of the bed, and I was like, you know, um, propped up on my knees. I was just like up on my knees in the bed, and he came and stood at the foot of the bed. And for whatever reason, we were just looking at each other, and we locked hands. I don't know what made me lock hands with him, but it's like he held his hands up, and I met his hands, and our fingers intertwined. We locked fingers. Once again, I didn't sense anything menacing, but just because I didn't want the dream to go to a bad place, I just remember thinking, I need to wake up, I need to wake up, I need to wake up. And so we were just locked like this, and I just remember people, I heard people say that if you call Jesus' name, if you're having a bad dream or having something negative go on, if you see something negative or whatever, if something's bothering you or getting at you, as my grandma would say, you know, you just call on Jesus. But it's like I was doing it um, through telepathy. I wasn't actively saying it through my mouth, but I, I just kept calling his name. But I guess because nothing negative was going on anyway, you know, but I was just doing that in hopes that it would wake me up. And I just kept calling Jesus' name, and I was like, it's not working. It's not working for me. And so I got to his name about on the eighth try, and at that point, it's just like I just woke up out of it. I woke up. And the thing is, with most of these situations, I don't wake up scared. It's like once I was awake and I was awake for real this time, I wasn't even afraid. I wasn't afraid at all. And it's just like what I made sure I did, though, was that I really got the TV remote and I cut the TV on. And the thing is, I went right back to sleep. And I was fine because I had the volume cut up. And as long as I could hear my TV, I was okay. And it was broad daylight. I guess by now maybe it was like 7 something in the morning. It wasn't, you know, anything spooky. It wasn't a cloudy, dreary day or anything like that. Just broad daylight, regular day. But I can have these episodes, but that was the most vivid one that I'd ever had, and that was the strangest one. Have no idea who the man was because there are some people who feel like when you have those experiences that you are actually on the astral plane, like you actually, you're not so much dreaming, but you've actually like come out of your body, like your spirit body has come out because my mom has had some of these out-of-body experiences where she says like she'll be, asleep and then she'll kind of feel herself floating up and she will end up looking down and she can see her body still laying in the bed sleep and she'll just like be at the ceiling. So she sometimes feels that maybe when I have these experiences that maybe it isn't just a dream, but maybe I'm actually having an astral experience. And there was one young lady whose YouTube video I was looking at where she was talking about that for every real environment, like for your real bedroom or, or your real workplace or wherever, there's an astral version of your house. There's an astral version of your job. There's an astral version of any real place that's here on this earth. 
And she, her version of her theory of probably what went on with me was I was in the astral version of my bedroom and that man was a real person on the astral plane. Now, who he was, I don't know. He didn't say anything to me. Um, but it was just a very bizarre kind of deal. And once again, I didn't feel threatened by him in any way. He was just looking at me, but it was more just like a curiosity thing. He never spoke to me or anything. And I've had other experiences. I've had some where I had some monks coming down the hallway when, when I was living in another city on my own. I've had some really weird ones, but um, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about those with the next pet, pet spectacular, or maybe we'll just have another, you know, paranormal theme show. But Hopefully that wasn't too much like rambling. Um, I, I actually enjoyed this show. I really miss Dee, and I wish that she was on here to have shared this with me, but I'm proud of myself. I think I did good, and I hope you guys were entertained. Um, once again, just be sure to join us next week. We won't be on on Saturday like we normally are because that will be Halloween, and so I will be helping my husband, you know, get all the Halloween festivities off the ground. So that's why we will air Friday, which will be October 30th, and we will air at 10 p.m. Central. And that will be about the animals in horror, where we're going to be talking about our favorite animal horror movie. For you, maybe it was Cujo's, maybe, Cujo, maybe it was Jaws. So, you know, if you have a favorite animal horror movie that you want to share, um, be sure to call us for that episode. I want to thank you guys once again for tuning in to another edition of The Misty Show. You guys have a great weekend. Bye.